Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. I am super excited about today's episode because we are diving into something that we have never talked about on the podcast, which is legal stuff. Woohoo! So we are actually diving into trademarking with a trademark lawyer. How cool is that? So on this episode, we have Jim Hart, who is a trademark lawyer, podcaster, and YouTuber. He has been working with brands to help them secure the rights to their intellectual property since 2015. He also has a really successful YouTube channel, which has gotten over 5 million views and he has over 150,000 subscribers. And what he does is he teaches legal fundamentals for entrepreneurs and how they can protect their business in a way that not only just makes it fun, but also informative. So this episode is super fun. We're going to dive into just trademarking and some legal things when it comes to your product-based business. Should you trademark? Should you not trademark? Um, So many things we're going to talk about, like what the cost is, what's the process, the difference between doing it yourself versus working with a lawyer, mistakes that people make. And I'm going to share a story about how my lack of trademarking my company, the Dapper Dog Box, could have potentially cost me the sale, not the sell, the sale of my company. And we talked about that on this episode today. So this is a great one. We don't usually have uh, legal advice on the show. So I was super happy to have uh, Jim on here as a guest. And yeah, we just had a blast chatting about different things. And this is going to be a great episode for you to dive into. So without further ado, grab your coffee, grab your wine. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, it's great to see you again, Carrie. Yeah. So we are going to talk about legal stuff, which I've never, and I we talked about this before we started recording, I've never had anyone on the podcast talk about anything legal. And it's definitely not my area of expertise like at all. So I love bringing people on who can really talk or speak about things that like I don't really know a lot about. So I'm excited to have you here. So beside, uh, before we dive into lots of cool things, um, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell everyone a little bit about what you do and Anything else you want to share? Well, first things first, I just want to you know address that elephant in the room that we're going to be talking about legal. So if, if you're like thinking, okay, I want to turn this episode off or I'm going to fall asleep or whatever, we're going to try as best we can to make it exciting. I know it's hard to do, but we're going to try. I'm not your regular everyday lawyer, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, and then, um, yeah, so my name is Jim Hart. I run a law firm called uh, Hawthorne Law. It's also called the Hart Law Firm. And basically, I'm an online business and trademark lawyer. I 
my law firm is based in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, but I live in Lisbon and I run it remotely from Lisbon, Portugal. So that's where I am tonight, which is why it's dark where I'm at and clearly not where you're at. No, but I live in Seattle and it's like usually dark and gloomy. So, and we got snow today, which is like, it doesn't really, doesn't snow here. So this is exciting. So when did you, I'm just curious before we jump into some cool topics, like when did you, like what made you become the not the lawyer that you are. Like I know with legal, like law, you have to go in sp- like specific tracks. What made you go down the specific track that you're in now? The trade, the trademark thing. Yeah. Well, I, I would, you know, it's funny you mentioned this, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit about an experience that you had um, with trademarks uh, mm-hmm. before we kind of started recording. But I'll tell you, um, I was a family law attorney. Uh, for years and years and years. And oh, it just okay. made me want to like shoot myself in the head. Like it was, I remember literally sitting there with a client and listening to her talk. And she was so cynical and so spiteful. And just the, this negativity was just spewing out of her. And I thought, I, and I remember sitting there thinking, I can't do this anymore. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, I knew I couldn't do that anymore. And Back in like 2015, which was like the heyday of like Amazon, like people were getting on Amazon and doing like e-commerce and that kind of stuff. And so I started a a brand selling on Amazon and I did it through a a big, pretty well-known course. And they had a conference in Las Vegas and I went to the conference in Las Vegas and um, and, you know, of course, everyone's talking, networking, trying to figure out what everyone does, blah, blah, blah. And, and they asked me what I did. And of course, I mentioned I was a lawyer um, doing this on the side. And then it was like, it was like everyone was just like, oh, we've got a lawyer. And they all like <laughs> de- descended upon me and wanted to know LLCs and trademarks and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, oh light bulb moment. Um, maybe there's a business here. Uh, and so that's kind of when I started to make the switch. That was like 2015, 2016. And, um, and, and now here I am running a remote law firm from Portugal. That's so crazy. And I have to also ask you, cause I would, I didn't know this either. What, like what brand did you start on Amazon? I feel like I need, we need to hear more about uh, that. Oh, I don't even know if I, I know the name. It was like, <laughs> I think it was called Blue Sky Active. It was like something with like, I was like, oh, I live in Carolina, Carolina Blue Skies. That'll be kind of fun. It was like a running and like I sold like um, uh, calf sleeves and water bottle belts and and okay. things like that. Um, and we did okay. And it, it it made some money for a little while. And then I, I you know, decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, oh, but what I was going to tell you was the story was... So there was, um, and I won't name his name, but one of the affiliates that was selling this big product, I was in this guy's group. And so we did like a, a master, not a mastermind, but like a, he did like a, a get to know, like a presentation, like the day before the main program, all the affiliates did like their own little breakout presentations and things. And mm-hmm. so he was talking about how he built this brand and people were asking about mistakes he made. And he said, one of his mistakes is he had built in this brand and he forgot to trademark it. And when he went to sell it, it delayed the sale by like nine months because they wanted to make sure that the oh. brand was capable of getting trademarked before they were willing to close on the sale. So it actually delayed his sale um, until oh. they actually filed and were able to get the trademark. 
But if they couldn't have gotten the trademark, it could have been a serious problem for him. And I know we were talking that that was an issue that you had at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Well, that's so cool. Yeah, I didn't know that you had like an Amazon brand. So that's so that's pretty cool. Um, Did you like doing that? Or I know that you said you did it for like a little while. But was it because Amazon, you, you hear the like... I think there's not a different – there's not a single platform that has such, ver- like, varied – you're either killing it or you're, like, not making any money or Amazon com- swoops in and, you know, they know that your product does really well so they create their own product. It's, like, you hear so many funny stories. And, like, I sold my – I sold products on Amazon when I had my business and, like, small numbers here. I'm not going to like say that I was like some crazy seller on Amazon, but I did sell and I was one of the first subscription boxes to be invited on the Amazon subscription box platform. And so I went through this whole process of working with them. And so I had a really awesome experience with Amazon. I know other people do not have that experience. So yeah, I'm just curious like how you liked it. (laughs) I I mean, remember, this is again, this is like 2014, 2015. This was like the heyday of Mm -hmm. Amazon. This is like, it was still the wild west. The systems were very, um, they weren't as complicated. I mean, now, like I tried to, when we moved to Portugal, I was trying to like list stuff for sale on Amazon that I was trying to sell from my house. And like it, it was next to impossible. I don't know how people do it. So, but back then it was much easier. And, um, I mean, what I'll say is I no nothing against Amazon. I mean, I had a fine, I wasn't like killing it. I wasn't making six figures a month. I yeah. wasn't making nothing. Um, yeah. you know, probably could have been successful with the business if I wasn't like a lawyer full time. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I I was like, well, I can do this or I can continue to run my law firm and my law firm makes me a lot of money and this doesn't make me as much money. So I'm going to focus on the law firm. And, um, but I, I will tell you this, I learned so much about business. I mean, just for, in terms of like sourcing a product and like having it shipped to the United States from China and coming up with branding and coming up with labels and UPC codes and like, mm-hmm. all, I mean, and then having, I'm, my wife loved this, I'm sure having like 40 boxes of like calf sleeves and water bottles come to our house and like have to repackage them all. That was a, that was a fun time with like a baby. Um, we oh, actually God. had three babies. Um, so it was just, um, yeah, it was nuts. Um, it was fun. I learned a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sad that I'm not doing it anymore, but yeah, and it was fine. I'm sure you miss the the boxes of inventory that clog up your whole house. I know I really miss that too. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, I mean the like a pallet comes and like up to your driveway and like you have to it was it was I'm sure the UBS guy was like, what is this guy doing? But he probably saw oh it every God. day. I don't know. But um anyway, I love it. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, I and I also think it helps too with your what like what you're doing now that you understand the product business and how it works and you know, hopefully that helps you. But um, yeah, let's talk about trademarking because I think that's a question that I do get asked quite a bit and it's just not something that I know. And I know that you mentioned the story like when I sold my business in 2019, um, I worked with a business broker and you know she did all the boring stuff for me. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. But then when we were negotiating with the buyer, you know, we found a buyer quite quickly. They almost had an issue with my business because it wasn't trademarked. And I remember being like, like I had fear. The fear set in because, you know, I was working with the business broker for, I don't know, two to three months, getting the business 
lined up to sell and I didn't want to do the business anymore. I was ready to like let go. It was my little baby. I built it up and I was like, I'm ready to do something else. And I remember just being really afraid that like, oh my God, did I screw myself because I didn't trademark the business or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, and it ended up working out. It was totally fine. But, you know, that could have been a huge issue for me. So anyway, yeah, I love to just let's dive into trademarking. Like anything that you want to share when it comes to a product base or e-commerce business, like the importance of it, how to do it, like what are the requirements? You can dive right into anything. I think it's incredibly important because if you are building an e-commerce business, I mean, ideally, and 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 I don't know how you teach it, um, but ideally, what you're doing is you really are you're building a brand. You know, it's not if you just want to sell like water bottles or you know, um, uh, you know, dog leashes or whatever. I don't know. You're, you're, if you think about any successful e-commerce company, mm-hmm. it's not. They're not. They're not just selling one product. They're selling a brand of products, and the brand. Um, you know, you might have. Th- you might start with like three, four, five products that you're selling and developing under that brand. And so, uh, if you do not trademark, you know, you, you are absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. If you do not register that trademark, a couple things can happen. Number one. When you're ready to sell that business, somebody else could come in and and the buyer could be like, well, is this trademarked? And if it's not trademarked, then I assume what they're going to do is hire a lawyer right away to do a search and see if the name's even available. And if the lawyer says it's not available, then that that could kill the deal, especially if your brand is where all the value is at for your business. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I so I think that getting a trademark in place. Uh, from the very beginning, maybe even before you start selling products, is one of the most important things you can do. And the reason for that, it, well, when you start selling and you use a name, you've got co- what are called common law rights. And a lot of people have this mm-hmm. misconception that because they have these common law rights, that they have the rights to their name. But that's not true. Um, as soon as you start selling and you put your name out there in the public, mm-hmm. anybody can come in and and register that name. If somebody sees what you're doing and you're you're killing it, like I have a client right now who has 50, 60,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, and he was a friend of mine. So I reached out to him. I said, Hey, you know, if you read, if you, I looked your, you up, it doesn't look like you've trademarked your name yet. And he's like, Oh no, is that important? Do we need to do that? And, and I talked him into it. Um, and anybody else could say, wow, that is an amazing brand. They've got 50, 60,000 subscribers on YouTube. I think I'm going to start selling products with that name. And oh, they haven't trademarked it yet with the USPTO. So they can come in and just go ahead and file that application before you. Because what a lot of people don't understand is the US Patent and Trademark Office is a Mm -hmm. first to file system. That means even if you've been selling it for five years, 10 years, and you've got this great brand built up, um, you know, somebody else could can come in and just file an application. They automatically have priority over you. Um, so that that can be that that that's why I say it's. I think it's important that, that that's one of the first things that you do when you're first getting started with a, a brand type of business. Hmm, it's so interesting. Can you this and this is probably like super mm-hmm. basic for you, but just in case anyone's listening doesn't quite know, like, can you just talk about what like what is a trademark? What's the yeah. fine print on like or like the definition of what it what it would mean. 
Well, I mean, I think the easiest way to look at that is like a real world example. And like, so if you, you know, one of my favorite brands is Nike. Um, I read the, the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight a couple of years ago. I need to go back and read it again. It's like one of my favorite business books. And so I was at, so last week, I mean, I'm in Lisbon. Remember, I'm in Lisbon. Uh, and so last week for Thanksgiving, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving here. But we were, you know, my law firm, obviously, you know, in the United States, you celebrate Thanksgiving. So we decided to travel. And so we went to Rome for Thanksgiving. And and while we were in the airport um, on the way to come back to Lisbon, I remember looking around. I saw a couple of different people wearing clothing items with the Nike swoosh on them. And it was like, it just was like, it kind of hit me in the head. Like, that's what a trademark is. And and. I realize that seems so simple and so elementary, but a trademark is, it can be a word, a name, a slogan, a logo, like the Nike swoosh, uh, anything like that, that uh, serves to identify the source of a product or a service. And so I see this girl walking by with a Nike backpack. I know, hey, that's, I know the company that built that, that made that backpack. You know, it obviously is Nike. Um, so the that swoosh identifies the source of those goods. And so that at, at its core, that's what a trademark is. Now it's real easy when it's when we're talking about physical products. It gets a little bit more difficult when we're talking about like an internet business where people are selling courses, coaching, uh, membership programs, things like that, because people don't think about it in the same type of way. Um as that, but it's exactly the same. It's just, it's online as opposed to in a physical product, but that that's basically what a trademark is. It's, it's a name, word, slogan, design, logo that identifies the source of a product or service. Okay. I love it. Sometimes we have to like break something down because some people may not know what like trademark means, but that's helpful. And you know, one of my clients, like, and this is kind of a story. It's like an interesting story, but I'm not going to say their name. Um, they created a dog toy and they used they use they use the visual angles in the toy that looked like an alcohol brand. And okay. um, basically, another company who has a similar toy basically tried to like go after my client, and they had their Instagram taken down. They had to go through all this stuff, and then they ended up having to get rid of the toy because the other company said, "Oh, we're you know this is trademarked and da 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 da." And it was kind of a bit of a nightmare. But they lost their entire Instagram that I had worked really hard to build up, so I wasn't very happy about that. I have like one client who I do marketing for them, and um, this was one of their brands. This was the brand, and um, yeah, but it was a bit of a nightmare, and they had to like redesign. Because again, they're getting this their toys made overseas, sending over huge inventory to the U.S., and then they had to get rid of all the toys over again, like a trademark issue. So, so <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I went back in 2015, 2016 when I was getting started, 2014, whatever it was. Um, I had a friend that I met at one of these this conference, and we were actually going to start a brand together. Um, we ended up not doing that, but, but we were talking and he had this, he was basically selling a water bottle, like 
So I, all of you probably have known, have seen, and I think I can say this, I, I'm not going to say his name and um, he wasn't a client of mine, so it, there's no issues there, but he was selling a water bottle that he he had trademarked the name of his brand, which is great. And he did that on his own. He's like, oh, I don't need a lawyer. I did it by myself, blah, 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 blah. But what he forgot to, to look at was his bottles were basically the same bottle as Hydro Flask. So everyone's seen like hydro flask bottles, you know, what I'm talking yeah. about like, the, yeah, love um, those. <laughs> so yeah, like they're just, yeah, exactly. Love those. And, um, there it's kind of like Coca-Cola. So that's the other thing a trademark can be. It could be a scent. It could be, um, it could be the shape of the, like the Coca-Cola bottle is a trademark because of the shape of the bottle. Well, hydro flask also has, has what's called trade dress for the shape of their bottle. And so he thought he was in the clear because he trademarked his name and etched it on, you know, $40,000 worth of inventory and oh was selling, God. he was actually doing really well. He was selling like six figures a month in, of these water bottles. Well, that's the problem is when you get to where you're doing really, really well, that's yeah. when the other brand that you're copying mm -hmm. uh, then comes in and wants you to stop. They don't stop when tell you to stop when you're doing like no sales. They tell you to stop when you've got enough that you're being seen. Yeah. And so that's what happened to him. He got a cease and desist letter from a law yeah. firm in Seattle of all places that represented Hydroflask. And yeah. he basically had to shut down because he was using their trade dress, even though he had his own trademark with the brand, he was using their basically bottles from China. And uh, that basically shut his business down overnight. And that that's, so these are the dangers that come up with you don't take your trademarks mm -hmm. seriously. Even if you don't want to, to register your own trademark, you mm -hmm. still have to do the searches and figure out if somebody else is using it and think about doing that because yeah, these are, I mean, you can literally shut down a business overnight or bankrupt yourself. Right. And I'm just thinking now, because I um, I work with a lot of people to help them start their e-commerce business, which I love. Like, it's my favorite thing in the whole world to help people start a brand. They have a vision and I help them like go through all that anyway. But now you're making me think like, oh, my gosh, I need to add some of this information into some of my courses because I don't really talk a lot about legal stuff. And the reason I don't is because I don't like to advise it's kind of like with taxes, like you can teach people a little bit about taxes, but everything when it comes to taxes for a product business, it really comes down to state tax. It comes down to your state. Every state's different. And like I started my business in California and then I helped yeah. someone start a business in Texas and it was like Texas has no rules. California is like super freaking strict. Washington state where I'm now is like somewhere in the middle. Everyone has different rules when it comes to starting a business. And anyway, so kind of like with legal stuff, I don't really like to advise that because I think you need to figure out your own legal stuff. And I don't want to tell you what to do. But this is making me think like, oh my gosh, I feel like maybe there needs to be a little bit more legal stuff on my end because what you just said about the hydro flask, like someone likely isn't thinking, oh, I have to search the the shape of a product or like the design of a product and make sure that isn't um, trademarked. So that's very interesting. How would someone find that information? Is it on the the US? What is it? USPTO? I forget US, the USPTO. Yeah, yeah. No. So you can. Do, it's um. It it gets a little tricky when you're talking about design codes. Um, mm -hmm. So if it's just a word, you can do a, a knockout search. Anyone can go to the USPTO website and do a search for a name, and nine times out of ten nothing is going to pop up because it's there's nothing that's exactly the same as that name. 
Yeah. The, the, the issue is, and then I'll answer your question about the designs with words, you still need to be careful because the standard is not exact match. The standard is deceptively similar. So the name could be spelled different. It could sound the same. It could be, you know, different components of the name. So just because you don't have an exact match doesn't mean that you're in the clear, um, which is why I still recommend, even though anybody can do it, I still recommend having a lawyer do the search for you. But with regard to the designs, so each, if you go to the USPTO website, you know, you have to, you have to look up the designs. So like if you have a logo that's got like a dog in it, then you would look up what the design code is for dog. And there's a number associated with that. And then you type that into the search and then it shows you all the logos that might have a dog in it. And then you can see if yours is, you have to look through them all and see if yours is, you know, similar to any of them. It's interesting because I have a client who we, and it's, I'll be honest, if, if there's a logo that is, um, and we're talking about logos specifically, then trade dress is a whole nother issue. Okay. But, um, but with logos, it's, it's hard. If you have like an artist who really genuinely, uh, makes a very unique design that, that they, they made the design all themselves. It's usually you're not going to have an issue, but it's funny. I had a client recently and we were doing the logo and she had a really great logo and I loved it, but um, but I had an inkling that there was going to be a problem um, mm-hmm. because I thought it it looked too much like like the Amazon smile, uh-huh. and um, and I showed the logo to my wife and I'm like, what does that look like to you? She's like, oh, that's Amazon. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Okay. <laughs> so, so I went back to the client and I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. And she's like, yeah, I thought that might be an issue. So I mean, you just don't know. It can't be too deceptively similar. With the trade yeah. dress, it's the same type of thing. You've got to look up all the design codes and make sure. I mean, this guy, he probably should have known that his bottles look just like Hydro Flask, but you know, how do you really know unless you know, you're in the space and, and you should, you should hire a lawyer and then you wouldn't have had the issue. Yeah. And I think too, some people don't, I think they just aren't even aware. I'm not saying that that guy wasn't aware, but I think some people just, they don't even think like, oh, maybe this product is too similar to this product. I shouldn't maybe create this. Like, I think people just like, oh, I want to create like a water bottle and they just, you know, and you go to like the, go on on Alibaba. Yeah. And there's like a million of them. And it's like, there's so much copycatting and um, like, yeah, I'm sure you have a million funny stories, but you know, it's true though. Like you start this business and you pour your heart and soul into it and you're relying on that money coming in and then for it to just be shut down because of a trademark or all that, like that just, that's horrible. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And and a lot of times it's not necessarily going to be, I mean, this, this, for this guy, (laughs) it was a problem because he basically was using their bottles. Um, but for a lot of people, um, you're not necessarily, we're not necessarily looking at a shutdown, but what we are looking at is a rebrand. And if you think about it, if you spend all this time building up an Instagram following or, or creating, you know, brand recognition, and then you have to go and, you know, in like 30 days, rebrand that, that product, which means, I mean, that's, it's a nightmare and it's expensive and, um, you have to change all the content that you have already. I mean, it's just, I, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be and how much that would cost. Yeah. Um, but 
And I know I have another, I have another client I work with. I'm definitely not going to say her name because she's one of my current one-on-one clients, but she had an issue with the same thing. Like she started a pet brand and she used the name and it was a, another very famous existing food and beverage. I won't say any, I won't give any more hints, but a very famous food and beverage brand that is very well known. And um, she had, she got um, their lawyers reached out and they went, I don't know what exactly happened with that. Um, Cause she still has the name, but there's like a lot of things with it. Like she can't do specific things and it's, just kind of a nightmare. And I'm just curious too, like, because I know that you obviously offer services, which we can talk about. But what what kind of mistakes do you see when people do the DIY route versus and you I feel like you already talked about this, but maybe there's some more mistakes. DIY trademarking versus actually working with a lawyer. Like what kind of mistakes do you make? Do people make? Not you. I, I think the biggest mistake is they don't do a comprehensive search. Like they do a quick search on Google or they do a knockout search on the USPTO website and they think they're fine. And, and, and then they go ahead and they file their application and then they get a denial or, or some sort of response back from the USPTO website. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then, oh, the other one I'll say is it, it, so it's a lot about the filing the application. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little scatterbrained here. No, you're um, fine. But so yeah, not doing the search is basically as a huge one. The mm-hmm. other one is people get confused with the classes of products and services. So there's mm-hmm. 45 classes that you can sell in. Every single product in the United States worldwide is in one of those 45 classes. And so there's a lot of overlap. So you you I mean, you know, you you have a lot of different pro- like, like, so class 25 is clothing for the most part. Um, and so, but if you, if you have a brand that's selling like t-shirts and hats, but you're not selling like bathrobes and towels, then you might, they might all be in class 25, but people think, oh, there's this other brand that's selling these other things in class 25. So, because I want to be in class 25, I can't compete with them. So I have to change my name. So they make that mistake in thinking that just because something is in the same class as them, they can't use it. And so then they pick another class um, that's probably the wrong class, and then they file in the wrong class, and that that can lead to problems. So um, those are issues. But then the, the biggest one, and where I see so many people lose their trademarks, is they get an office action from the the USPTO website, and they freak out, they don't know what to do, and then they just abandon their application. Um, and don't move forward with it. So I, I see that as a huge mistake. You see so many dead applications where people just gave up because they got a, a an office action back that probably could have been overcome if they'd known what to do or if they had a lawyer helping them, and they just don't. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the 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 search is the big one because the number one reason why trademark applications get denied is because there's a likelihood of confusion denial with another name. And people don't do a proper search. They file the application. And right now it's taking eight months for an attorney to look at applications at the USPTO. Um, And so that's eight months where you're sitting there thinking you've got a good name and then Mm -hmm. you get a denial and you don't know what to do and you abandon it. And now all of a sudden you either don't have a trademark or maybe some people just continue using the name and then 
there's somebody else out there if they're monitoring their trademark that's going to find out that you're using the name and they'll probably get a cease and desist letter at some point. Wow. That's, so. yeah, that's very interesting. Um, but that's crazy. It takes so long. Jeez. It's um, COVID. There are all these people that filed during COVID. Uh, it used to be like two or three months. And then mm-hmm. you can see all the statistics are online at the USPTO website. And, but right now, yeah, it's like 8.2 months is the, the time frame. I'm just curious, like what's the cost for trademarking? Is it like, is there um, a different cost or is there just like one flat fee? Well, there's the, there's obviously if you do it yourself, then it's free from that standpoint. I don't really think it's free because I think the likelihood that there's, there are people that get trademarks, um, mm-hmm. that do it themselves. I'm not going to sit here and say there aren't, mm-hmm. um, but far more people do not get them because of the issues we've already talked about. But if you hire a lawyer, there's, there's a, there's a fee for the lawyer, but then you can pay between $250 and $350 uh, per class when you file your application. And uh, I say per class because I mean, a lot of people, you know, if you're, if you're selling um, internet services or whatever, something online, a group coaching program, Mm -hmm. you know, you could be selling in two, three, four classes when you file your application. And so you have to pay a filing fee per class. So the more classes you're in, the more expensive it becomes. Okay. Very interesting. And then like just really quickly, um, what what are the requirements? Like what do people have when they file for the, a trademark? Like what's what kind of things do they have to do? I'm just curious of like the step by step or is it mostly like let's say they work with a lawyer. Is it mostly you figure out what they need and then you might say, oh, can you just give me this information or? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I have a form that I send them and they fill that out and then I use that to to basically fill out the application. I I help my clients craft the descriptions and come up with the classes. So they don't have to worry about doing that. I mean, I ask I ask my clients, what are you selling? Basically is what I ask them. I'm like, make a list of everything you're selling. And mm-hmm. then I take that list and I I group it into the classes and, and they might have five things they're selling that are all in the same class. And so I put all those things into the description. I send it back to the client. I ask them, is this description okay with you? Um, but then from there, you know, if it's a, if it's a logo, they have to have a proper specimen. I help them make sure that's correct and in, in line with what the USPTO needs. Um, and then basically I, I recommend you have an LLC, uh, when you're, when you're setting it up because you want to have the LLC own the trademark, um, you don't have to, you could be a sole proprietor if you don't have an LLC yet, and that's okay. You can always assign it to the LLC later, but where I, another place where I see people mistake, make mistakes is they've got an LLC that's like selling their products and they file the application as a, an individual, <laughs> like thinking that they're the ones that are owning the trademark as opposed to the LLC. Um, and that actually is a problem that that those applications would be void from the very beginning because they uh, don't actually own that. It's the entity that's selling the products is what needs to be listed as the applicant. So you need that. And then, you know, you, you, there's, there's a bunch of information about what the classes are and you need to know the date that you started selling and um, using the marketing commerce and things like that. There's a bunch of mistakes. There's a bunch of areas where I'll put it this way. The trademark application is deceptively easy. <laughs> it's deceptively okay. easy. And what I mean by that is 
if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to go through it, think that you're filling out the information completely fine, and then come to find out eight months later that you messed something up. And a lot of times those, those fees are not refundable and you have to start over from scratch. So no, I don't like to see that happen. Yeah, that's that's not fun. And I also have a question. Um, so I know a lot of people listening, they have um, Etsy shops. I'm not sure if you work with any Etsy people, but obviously Etsy is like handmade, handmade goods. And what I see from a lot of people in my programs is they, let's say they do an apparel brand. They make their own sweatshirts and they have a phrase on them and a photo or not a photo, like a phrase and some kind of design and then someone else on Etsy comes in and just like literally flat out copies them. There is no confusion. There's no like, oh, that logo looks similar. Like people literally will just copy your design exactly. It's very, it's crazy how that can even happen. And sometimes Etsy will shut down shops, but most of the time they don't. Do you ever work with people like that or advise them at like, and I don't know how this would work with like an apparel business if you have a lot of designs because you probably don't want to trademark everything, but how would that work? Well, with an apparel business in particular, a lot of times what people do is they might come up with like a name or a phrase and then they put that name or phrase on like all sorts of different clothing in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so what what I would suggest to a brand that's trying to do something like that is you, if when you register the trademark, the the name that you're going to be using on all those clothing items, you can do it in block all cap letters. And then the benefit of doing it that way is that you can change the 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 type font, um, the coloring, the the way it's written on the clothing and and um, that you're selling, mm-hmm. in you know as many ways as you want, and you still have the protection. Where people make mistakes is they think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to register a stylized design. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you're limited. You can't change the design. You only get the design that you're registering with the trademark office. And so I would say, number one, you want to make sure that you you have the word mark that's, that's um, uh, nondescript, all caps, so you can change it as many ways as you want. The other thing I'll say, and I don't know about Etsy, um, how they work specifically, um, because I've never been asked to shut down a store that's copycatting another Etsy store. Uh, but if you have a trademark application and you've got a trademark um, a registration, mm-hmm. it makes it a whole lot easier to uh, file a, a DMCA takedown notice or, or do something where you go to Etsy and say, hey, you need to take this store down. Um, because they're infringing on me. And 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 I I used to get a lot of people that would email me and and call me about how to do that on Amazon. And I know Amazon um, has come under fire for that in recent years, and they might be a little bit better now. I'm not sure. Um, I do know that for brand registry, it used to be you had to have a registered trademark. So all these people were going and filing trademarks in like Germany. Maybe you know about this. I don't know. Um, Because Germany was very easy to get a trademark. The problem is you're not actually selling a trademark in Germany. You're not selling goods in Germany. You're selling them in the United States. So, I mean, yes, you use that to get brand registry, but it's not good from a legal standpoint. But now I think Amazon has changed their rules so that if you have a pending application, then they will give you brand registry. I believe that's that's the rule now. So, okay. I don't know. And it, my bottom line is, I think 
when you have that federal registration in hand, it gives you so much more power to shut other companies down. Um, you actually can use it. You can send it to uh, U.S. Border Control, and they can actually keep infringing goods from coming into the United States if they're coming from China or where else. If you have a federal registration, that's one of the benefits of oh, being wow. on the principal register. That's pretty interesting. I like that. Yeah, I don't. I see. I hear about this on Etsy all the time because it's like, especially with apparel and. Um, I know someone in one of my programs, she has this very specific words that she says, and she put it on posters and stuff, and then people were, people were copying her. And I think she did trademark it, and so she was threatening them with kind of all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think bottom line, keep your business that safe. Sucks. Yeah. Anything else before we talk about, like, your services and how you can help people? Anything else you kind of want to share that – a e-commerce business or product-based business should know about keeping, you know, protecting your brand. I mean, I think I think that's it. I mean, if you're building an e-commerce brand, you're building a brand, and one of the most important things to do is file that federal trademark, um, because without that, you don't actually own the name to your brand, and that's and your name is everything, right? So that that's what I would say. That's my biggest piece of advice: is um, look into doing it and and see if that's uh, and you know, just go through the process. And uh, I mean, nothing bad can happen except you lose a couple hundred bucks on a filing fee if you decide to, to go out of business. But I think it's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you shared so many reasons why, you know, people need to be thinking about that. So very interesting. Um, yeah. So you want to just tell everyone like where they can find you um, and what services you offer? How can you help people who want to trademark their business? Yes. So you can go to hawthornlaw.net. Um, that's uh, hawthorn, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N law.net. And that's my website where you can find all stuff about me. I've got a podcast. I've got a YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube and you Google Jim Hart, trademark lawyer, you're going to find me. I've, like I, I think I told you before, I've got like a hundred some thousand subscribers. In terms of how I can help you, um, if you go to my website, um, there's a way to schedule, there should be a link to schedule a free strategy call. If you're interested in forming a trademark and you've got more questions, I'm happy to offer a free strategy call to any of your listeners for a half hour and 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 happy to do that. I uh, I love helping people build their brands. And I think this is the most important way um, and the most impactful way that that I can help people do that. So um, that, that's the best way to find me. YouTube is probably gonna be the best place. Nice. Thank you so much. This was really, um, really informational. I really enjoyed learning about some of this stuff. And um, it brought back memories to me selling my business a couple years ago and like panicking about trademarking. And I really feel like I forgot about it since then. And now it's I can like picture literally sitting in my kitchen in Seattle and being like, oh, my God, I might not be able to sell my business. And it was like, ugh. anyway, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Glad it worked out for you, though. Thank you. But next time I will be trademarking. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Really nice to talk to you. And I, yeah, this was really, really helpful. Thank you, Kira. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I love that episode. Uh, so informative. I feel like I learned so much and I definitely learned my lesson with not trademarking my business the first time. Yeah. Just gotta, gotta learn the legal stuff as you go. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to 
definitely leave a great review for this podcast. I really appreciate it. It also helps more people learn about the podcast and get to listen to it. So thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to also follow Jim. Um, His link for his company is below. You can also find him on YouTube and, you know, be one of his 155 plus thousand subscriber. All right, my friends, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.